0: You're listening to Napa Register Radio. I'm your host, Yusef Beg. So earlier this summer, I invited Napa High's new athletic director, Thomas Sims, to come on the show because I wanted to get familiar with the guy who was going to be trusted with steering an athletic program that's been under a scorching spotlight for the better part of the last year. The biggest story has obviously been the hazing scandal, which has created a giant wedge within the community and even drawn wandering eyes from beyond the valley as it's continued to unfold. The other has been the polarizing debate over changing the Indians mascot. While that story is less important than the hazing scandal with few tangible repercussions and no concrete victims, efforts to change the school's longstanding symbol has done nothing but encourage more disdain toward the school board, which is now the target of a recall campaign. So this is the world that Thomas Sims has stepped into. He's a 2004 Napa High graduate and was a decorated prep football player. He's been a coach and a teacher And if you look at the guy, you can tell he's a pretty big proponent of strength and conditioning and is going to bring that to all of the programs within the department. It's also worth pointing out that he doesn't have much administrative experience of any kind, which could be a good or a bad thing. So I had Thomas on to talk about his approach to the new position, how he responds to pressure, what kind of vision he has for the program, how he feels about social media. And rather than put him on the spot for something that occurred before he was hired, I just wanted to have a free-flowing conversation and find out where he stands on some of the things that come with developing today's high school athletes, both on and off the field. All that said, after the interview, I'm going to address a recent development in the hazing scandal and a bigger picture perspective that's worth hearing in order to better understand what happened in Napa and what's going on quietly at programs across the country. It honestly might change the way you view this entire scandal. Thanks for, thanks for coming on. I guess we'll just sort of jump right in. I, I, I think, uh, you know, there are a lot of people familiar with you because of what you did, you know, in football and stuff like that. And to kind of, uh, I guess, sort of come full circle. I mean, how, did you ever see this kind of role for yourself at Napa? Did you think you'd be involved with the school for, the, you know, this length in your life? Um,
1: to be honest with you, I never, I didn't see myself being the athletic director when I first started out. Um, but after kind of seeing that the impact that coaches and athletics in general have on the kids, I I wanted to expand my role, and um, I think I see this as a good opportunity in terms of. Going beyond just coaching and being able to help coaches now, because being in the trenches, I've kind of seen what coaches need, what coaches want. And so I hope to bring that background and perspective to the new position.
0: Yeah, because it seems like a lot of times people kind of get caught up in the administrative side of it. They lose touch with the kids, the coaches, the families. Is that kind of where you'd say you sort of fall
1: yeah, I mean, yeah. So right now, it's what I'm doing is I'm starting to learn the administrative side, and yeah. I mean, there's a lot more to this job than I initially um, anticipated or expected. So kind of learning the ins and outs of that, um, getting a lot of help from administration, from Kelly Van Winden, from Brian King, the old um, athletic directors. They've been great so far. But once I kind of have that stuff hammered out, then I hope that. My role can be again more on the ground talking to coaches and getting stuff done that they need done. So making their lives easier. Yeah.
0: (laughs) That's, yeah, I'm sure that's something that a lot of people want. I mean, what is, uh, you know, kind of the culture you'd like to establish? I mean, what's the identity that you'd like the athletic department to take from you? Um,
1: I think moving forward, Napa High is a school that has a lot of tradition, and I want to continue to build on those traditions. Um, And part of that tradition is founded in. Uh, the hard work that our coaches and our athletes put in, um, so continuing continuing to show, I guess, our appreciation for what these coaches do because a lot of times they're obviously they're underpaid but they're underappreciated too. For sure. Um, so showing just how much we care by um, through our actions, um, through representing, them, getting them what they need, the support they need. Um, besides that, um, a cultural ch- one thing that's kind of changing right now is that we are taking before we're kind of old school with paperwork and everything like that but we have just started using this new program called family id so we're going to kind of take napa high athletics to the 21st century in terms of um, parents who do all their athletic registration all that stuff online so a lot of training with that right now and getting that up and running but i think it will be Um, easier in the long run for coaches to manage um, kids and what they need and for parents to kind of be transparent with parents in terms of what we need and um, and where they can find that information.
0: Yeah, I mean, with everything that's kind of going on in the background, are you the kind of guy that sort of works well under pressure? Do you feel... Uh, a little bit of that as you kind of go on your day-to-day?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, it was tough this last semester because I was doing a lot of stuff um, for this position that officially kind of started a, Like the debt, yeah. yeah. Um, and I was still teaching a full load, so I had a full load of English classes and then was doing the uh, strength stuff for the football program as well. So it was hard. There was a lot of pressure in terms of juggling those things, but... I, the pressure doesn't really get to me because I try to stay organized. And I think with this job especially, and that's a lot of advice I've gotten, is that if you can stay organized, then you can. Handle. There's always going to be things kind of thrown your way, hurdles that come up, um, but if you're generally organized and have clear expectations for your coaches, your players, and all that stuff, then it's kind of smooth sailing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you're not, you don't have much of an ego though. You're like listening to other people. It's, I think when, you know, and you're a parent too, and you got a second one on the way that, uh, I can't honestly say anything to this, but I think there's like, you know, when you're having a kid, people are like, oh, you should do this. You should do that. And, and with this, it sounds like you're okay with people kind of giving you advice, taking little bits and pieces that you can.
1: Yeah. I mean, like Brian King said, uh, when I talked to him, you... He can give me advice, but at a certain point, I'm going to have to figure out how to do things my own way, and I'll kind of come up with my own system in terms of how I do certain things. Um, but right now, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to be a sponge in terms of reaching out to many, as many people as I can to see different perspectives, and then I take those kind of into consideration when I'm making decisions or making a choice for the school for athletics, whatever it is. So, yeah, I mean, I don't have an ego, but at the end of the day, I'm going to have to put – Um, kind of my own touch on things I'm just taking in right now like I said as many opinions as I can so I can do hopefully a good job for Napa High School.
0: Yeah how motivated are you I mean being you know fantastic football player that you were and now you guys have a new coach and how motivated are you to maintain the the tradition that you guys have the the legacy I think that Troy Mott had I mean just how important is that for you making sure that that program uh, maintains its position?
1: Um, It's incredibly important and that was what this last semester, I mean, that was pretty much my primary focus was making sure that we still had a football program in the fall because it got scary for a second there and we were close to yeah. not having I mean, football. It was a couple days
0: apart. I think we had that report and then you guys were able to announce a suit. Yeah,
1: yeah. So um, Coach Martinez actually was my quarterback in high school, so okay. we played together. So we've known each other since we were 12 years old. Um, he, I trust him completely, um, extremely hard worker. Um, understands the tradition that uh, Napa High has um, wants to build upon that tradition and make it even better and I think he'll be able to do that Um, luckily we have also Troy Mott who will be around this summer and during the season he's going to be mentoring Coach Martinez um, and so that will be huge as well in terms of um, Chewy being able to work with Mott, um, who has essentially already served as a mentor coach to him before. yeah. Um, but going to this next step, it's, it's very similar to me in my position. There's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that goes on, and this is a year-round position um, that Coach Martinez pro- might not have been fully aware of when he accepted <laughs> the position. So Coach Mott will help in terms of getting him up to speed and kind of teaching him the ins and outs of um, the little things that go into being a head coach that people don't realize – Um, happen on a daily basis when they come out on Friday night. Yeah, We just snap our fingers and these guys come out and perform.
0: Well, see, that's that coach mentality that you have that's kind of coming into play here. It's it's sort of like people, I think, sort of lose sight of the fact that these guys are so much more than just like, this is where you need to stand, this is the play, this is what you do, execute, exactly. It's like this, you're a big community figure, and I think Troy was one of the better people at handling that aspect of it too, it seems like. And he obviously wants to be able to continue to do that, at least help the next guy that does it after. I mean, was that... Uh, you know, an important part of this process, making sure that Troy was involved in some way or making sure he was a presence?
1: Um, yeah, I think um, just because, like you said, based off of Troy's background, he's the most winning coach in NAPI history, I mean, obviously he knows what he's doing. Yeah, um, He's great at what he does, he loves football, he loves the kids, like you said, he's great in terms of community outreach, working with people, speaking with people. Um, so that, yeah, that was a huge selling factor for us in terms of getting Coach Martinez to come aboard um, as well was the fact that Troy was going to help him and be a part of this process. And Troy's obviously doing this for the kids and because he wants Napa High to continue to succeed. He's an alumni too. He played yeah. in, he was my coach in high school. So yeah, he wants the best for us.
0: That's good to hear. I mean, You guys also have some pretty exciting stuff going on too. You guys are going to move sections uh, next year. I mean, sort of what is... What are your thoughts about that? What do you kind of feel like? You know, the future could be for Napa in the North Coast section.
1: Um, in terms of the North Coast section, I can't. I can't remember exactly. The it's down to a few different choices in terms of league we're going to be in. I think we find out in August. But you perhaps. guys are
0: probably going to be in the same one with Vintage and American Canyon, I It's assume. looking
1: like we'll be in the same league with Vintage, American Canyon, and Justin Siena as nice. well. Actually, um, I personally, from a football perspective, because that's all I've really looked at so far. Um, I'm excited for the move to the North Coast section. Um, in terms of uh, summer stuff and dead periods, it's a lot more straightforward and a lot easier. The rules are a lot easier to fall, so it's gonna make my job easier yeah. in the summer in terms of enforcing rules and making sure coaches are abiding by um, what's in those bylaws. Um, but I see it as, like I said, something that's gonna be a good change. And, I mean, from a travel perspective, from a monetary perspective. Exp- That's so perspective, convenient, yeah. yeah it's going to be way better.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, i I got to imagine, that, you know, maintaining the big game rivalry and having vintage right there, I mean, that has to be a big part of it too, making sure that you guys are in the same league and you're able to play them continuously forever Yeah, you can. And,
1: yeah, and, I mean, even building upon that, we're hoping, or at least my hope, and I know I've talked to Troy before as his, his hope, is that we've had such a great rivalry with, with uh, Vacaville High School as well that now that we won't be in the same league, I'm hoping that – we have that on our preseason schedule every year. We can play at Vacaville High yeah. School. Um, so that's one less game we have to schedule as well, hopefully. Yeah. Um, I don't know how they'll feel about that. we be in the last three years.
0: We'll <laughs> yeah, but then, uh, you know, like uh, there is some really good news. It's uh, the softball team this spring and just kind of the run that they were able to go on. And I don't think anybody would have picked them by any means to kind of do what they did. But it seems like one of those things where everything just clicked and they just went and no one could really stop. I mean, what was it like? for you just to kind of see that kind of positivity happen around the program and kind of give something for people to celebrate again.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was great. It was it was incredible. Um, Troy's daughter, Peyton is actually She's on, the team, on yeah. the team. And so um, a few of the girls I'm pretty close with because I train them um, in the weight room and, and we work out kind of year round together. Um, so it was awesome to see them really buy in that whole team really buy in um, to what they're doing the success that they're able to achieve. Um, yeah, I, I I don't think it's a you know, anyone's surprising this when they say that at the beginning of the season, I didn't think it was gonna turn out that way. I thought they had some good girls on the team. But they're young. Yeah, they're very young. And so I mean, if you even if you do anything in the playoffs with a young team like that, it's an accomplishment. But the fact that they got hot at the right time is what it really boiled down to, I think.
0: So, yeah, but it kinda of feels like uh, it sort of like gives them the foundation to kind of really build on because I think uh, it seems like at times softball's been kind of in this weird position, and that's something I think we can see here as at the register from afar is that there's, like, these weird sort of cycles where the, the competition tops off or falls off a little bit or girls might lose interest, they get burned out. That's a big conversation yeah. is, like, the, the travel league aspect and yeah. the year-round flow of it. I mean, uh, is that something that you've kind of noticed is sort of changing? Because people seem to kind of point to the specialization of athletes being kind of a, a problem sometimes.
1: Yeah, um, with, with softball in particular, like you mentioned, they – the girls who are playing at a high level for the most part, they play in these traveling teams, you know, all over the place year-round. So Peyton, for example, she plays on a team that's based out of Stockton. So, I mean, they're they're constantly playing, constantly doing something. Um, and so that burnout factor um, is a concern. But I think the other issue is sometimes in terms of recruiting, um, with softball, I know that recruiters, they generally... The game—they're not going to the high school game. So when girls are getting recruited to go play at a Division One school or whatever it is, they're not getting recruited at the high school level. They're getting recruited at those from those traveling teams right. at those tournaments. And so sometimes that creates a challenge for the coach to really create that, uh, generate that buy-in from the girls to say like, no, this, this, this high school softball is important too, yeah. right? Um, so Coach Mansway was able to create that buy-in this year, and so that was great to see because, like I said, I, I can imagine coaching football or playing football year-round, like that break is essential in terms of just recovering right. mentally, physically, all those things. So it's impressive that those girls are able to stay focused and do that and play as much as they do.
0: Yeah. I mean, do, you, do have you seen differences like in the athlete from when you were in high school to now? I mean, is there is there anything you kind of, you know, you get romantic about? You're maybe like, oh, I wish it was like this, or maybe... You know, you think maybe there's a opportunity to maybe help them kind of change in a way too?
1: Yeah, I would say the biggest change I've noticed now are kids are more educated in terms of strength and conditioning, nutrition, things like that. So when I was in school, we had access to that stuff, but um, a lot of times you had to kind of go out on your own and search for those stuff, search for the special trainers, all that stuff. Nowadays, I mean, you see all these gyms opening up and um, places that specialize in sports-specific stuff or speed training. Um, Everyone's really familiar with, like, Olympic lifting and powerlifting movements now. But back in the day, it was essentially, you know, you only knew about that stuff if one of your coaches uh, taught it to you. But it wasn't as mainstream as it is today. And so it makes it nice in terms of, When I'm getting, like, for example, when I'm getting incoming freshmen into my strength program, a lot of them are already familiar with how to do a squat or how to do a clean. Um, So it makes my job a little easier as long as they've been coached properly because the mechanics are there. Um, But, yeah, I would see that as really the, the biggest difference. Um, from when I put it. I wish I wish that I had people around me that had as much knowledge as these coaches that I see now do. Yeah, and what our strength program does. It would have been awesome.
0: Yeah, I mean, what do you think about, you know, social media and stuff? Like, Is that something that you guys monitor at all at, at an administrative standpoint? Is that something that's important to you guys to keep tabs on? I'm like the
1: worst person to ever talk about social <laughs> So I have zero social media whatsoever. I try to cut myself off. Like, I don't... That's it. Like, I envy that to be honest. I have that an email and a cell phone. Sometimes I wish I didn't have a cell phone because I get too difficult. <laughs> um, but now, so how it works is um, most of our coaches have um, social media accounts, and then um, Lisa Manley, who's one of our great secretaries up in the front office, she manages a lot of social media stuff too and posts stuff for coaches. Um, and so that's extremely helpful. <clears throat> and like I told her, I'm going to need help with that stuff or she's going to have to help me find someone that's going to do that stuff for me because I am not, like I said, a social media guy. Do you guys like
0: keep tabs on the athletes and stuff like that, though? Is that something that you guys are ever worried about at all, just kind of seeing what the students are up to or saying and things like that?
1: Um, I don't know if any individual coaches are regularly monitoring that, but – when someone does do something that's not very smart, we usually find out. Of that. Yeah, And yeah. We usually get it. It'll be in my inbox. Yeah, a little picture of it. Because yeah. that's one
0: of the things I feel like uh, I've had conversations with more and more. And maybe it's like with college coaches, like at Napa Valley College and stuff. They'll kind of say like uh, there's sort of this uh, – it's kind of like the personality of, of kids and athletes even just in general. It, it tends to be more public than maybe it was before. And sometimes they get worried about it. Sometimes they think it might be a little – Uh, you know, they're sharing too much or maybe being more open than they should. And there's sort of these uh, levels that they're maybe not aware that you shouldn't be crossing and things like that. So it's kind of, do you guys ever like, is that something that you guys feel like you should be teaching now? Because this is where I think my generation being sort of one of the last ones before that social media world really took hold to cross. Like no one really told us how to do it or what to do with it. Is that, is that important to you guys?
1: Yeah, I think moving forward, um, we, we are going to address in terms of how we deal with certain issues and, um, about kind of yeah, the content of what they say and what they post that it it goes beyond just what they think because they represent something bigger than themselves exactly, too yeah. when they do that. Um, I know when I was at American Canyon, and I was uh, coaching with Ian McMillan when he was the head coach there. Uh, he was really good about monitoring that stuff and educating. Um, his players about the impact that what they say yeah. on social media can follow them and can impact their chances to go play in college, Absolutely. for example. So I, I, I've i been in the room on several occasions where he'd have to bring players in because he would monitor their, their Twitter or whatever it was and say, look, bud, you're putting all this stuff on social media for everyone to see. If I'm a college coach, he's, the first thing I do is I'm looking at your account. Yeah. And you're putting stuff on here that... They are not going to want to have that stuff representing their university. Exactly, yeah. And we've seen it firsthand directly impact kids in terms of getting scholarships because of what they post on social media. So, yeah, I think moving forward, that should be. Um, at the forefront of our thoughts in terms of when we're talking to kids about communication and how to handle themselves. Yeah, because
0: sure. I mean, it, it really does feel like there's, you know, because when I said like, you know, getting romantic about the way things used to be, there really is like a, a mindset change, a culture change around athletics. Just everything about it seems to be very different. It really happened quickly. Like, And so I think, you know, social media seems to be one of those things where it's like that's the avenue that a lot of it's coming from. It's like they... You know, it's, that's the easiest way to see what someone's thinking, what they're talking about, what they're into. And, and sometimes it can be used for good. Sometimes it can be yeah. accidentally for bad and things like that. So it's, that's just something I, th- I thought it would be worth asking and stuff like that, too. But, um, you know, in terms of, uh, I guess, just going forward and, and the Napa identity and stuff like that, is there is there a mold, I guess, that you would like to see a, a sort of representation of the school that you feel like would be the best. Foot for Napa High going forward?
1: Um, I, I think, like I said, we're going to keep building on what we've been doing in the past, but we're, we're starting to put a real emphasis on um, character. So we want kids to really work on their character, um, Set within the football program at least we've already started working on their setting character goals, um, things they want to improve um, about themselves. Um, and then we focus on academics, and then from there it goes to athletics, and then focus and be the best athlete you can be, right? But without without the character and without the academic piece, I mean the athletic stuff doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, but uh, that being said, they're all kind of intertwined because a lot of times through my experience and why I think acad- or athletics is so important, what these coaches do is so important, is because you learn you learn how to manage your time, you learn how to work under pressure, you learn. Um, discipline you learn what it really means to work out on the field and a lot of times that carries over into the classroom into the rest of your life and so that's why what I think we do is why it's so important because like I said it's something that you're going to take beyond just the classroom you're going to apply that when you go to college or when you go to the military or you get a job whatever avenue you take those lessons you're learning on the field are going to carry over so hopefully that's what we continue to build upon
0: yeah so what's i mean what's next for you now what's on the agenda for this summer and what kind of what are you uh i guess looking to get accomplished before the school year starts next fall um this
1: summer i'm trying to get some working on getting the the website, the Family ID program up and running for all the um, incoming ninth graders and then I'll get the rest of our student athletes registered on there as well. Um, I'll still be running the strength and conditioning program for Napa High, so I'm there two hours every day doing the uh, weight room stuff with the football guys. Um, Then besides that, kind of just getting my ducks in a row, figuring everything out for this AD job from the administrative side and then top it off my wife's gonna be having a baby in two weeks, so <laughs> Thank you. yeah, she already doesn't like me because I'm never at home. So it's gonna get rough when there's another one at the house as well. Man, well, <laughs> I guess
0: if there's anybody that needs you know more on their shoulders, I guess it's got to be you right yeah. now. So I'm glad you got shoulders wide enough for the rest of us to take yeah, it on. There, so. <laughs> there you go, man. Well, appreciate you coming on, Thomas. This Friday marks the return of high school football in the Napa Valley. Stadium lights will be switched on. Families, educators, and fans alike will fill the bleachers once again. They'll cheer for gains, groan for losses, jeer at bad calls, and surrender control of their emotions to a sport that is king in America. Friday night at Napa's Memorial Stadium, Napa High's football team will step onto the field for its first game since the hazing allegations became public last November. This school and this team which has been a championship contender for decades, will do everything it can to mute the negative attention and return to an adapted version of normal. There will undoubtedly be a silent form of heightened interest surrounding the program. The action beyond the lines will be put under a magnifying glass that has never been there before. Losses and negative performances will be forcefully linked to the scandal, and whether it's a factor or not will only be known by those more intimately associated with the team. But make no mistake, Napa High is not special. And this incident is far from an anomaly in the world of high school sports. In fact, it's the complete opposite. And for this next part, if you have more younger or sensitive listeners tuned in, discretion is advised. In June, a former Napa High student and his mother filed a lawsuit against the school district, football coaches, players, and their parents in relation to the hazing incidents before last year's big game against Vinage. The plaintiff alleges that, after getting called up from the freshman team to the JV team, on October 31, 2016, he was beaten up and sexually assaulted in the jockblock portion of the Napa High locker room. While only wearing underwear, he was approached by multiple teammates and then forced and held to the ground while they grabbed his genitals and forced their fingers through his underwear into his anus. After breaking free, he was dragged back, and one of the players shoved his hands into the plaintiff's underwear saying it would hurt less if he stopped struggling. Other players cheered and looked on without intervening, while this group of teammates communicated threats and assaulted the other freshman players. The attacks didn't stop until a school maintenance worker appeared. This is the most graphic and most disturbing depiction of what might have occurred in these incidents, but let me press pause on Napa High for a moment and take a step back, because this next part is something I've wanted to point out for some time now. As part of a larger study of student-on-student sexual assaults, I looked at 17,000 official reports over a recent four-year period. The Associated Press found that perhaps nowhere is sexual assault dismissed or camouflaged more than in boy sports, and it's often misrepresented as hazing and bullying. These incidents become normalized and often persist for years, to the point where the victims eventually become the aggressors. Coaches say they're not aware of it, but the AP found multiple cases that refute that notion. In some cases, they even tried to cover it up. Some of the experts the AP talked to said rookie hazing and humiliation rituals have escalated to sexual violence over the last 10 to 15 years. Now, research into sports hazing hasn't gone to a deep enough level to understand why that is, but experts say players may be more influenced by our increasingly sexualized pop culture as they try to one-up what was done to them when they were hazed. Even though many of the cases the AP identified included anal penetration, grabbing crotches, and grinding genitals into teammates, The people who first learned of the incidents, i.e. coaches and school officials, routinely characterize them as hazing, bullying, or some type of initiation. Experts say players go through this initiation when they're new and eventually they become bystanders or even attackers because they feel a sense of duty to uphold a team tradition. Some players believe enduring these types of acts builds team chemistry and develops toughness. The victims feel pressure to stay silent If they speak up, it could jeopardize a spot in the lineup they've trained years for, or could endanger the team's success by getting other players in trouble. This AP investigation was the first thing that came to mind when I read about this lawsuit. Whether the plaintiff's side of the story is true or not, it's hard to dismiss the fact that the Napa's district attorney has filed criminal charges against six teenagers involved with this incident, and the remaining 11 students the police department referred for prosecution are still being investigated. So it's safe to say the story's not going anywhere anytime soon. Not for the community, not for the school, not for the football team, and certainly not for the 16 student victims Napa police were able to identify. But football is here, whether Napa High is ready for it or not, wearing a black eye that won't go away no matter how badly the Indians want it to. Then again, that's just the nature of the game, and the only thing the team can do is get up, line up, and run another play doing everything they can with the hopes that this one goes better than the last one. Uh, That's a wrap on this episode. Uh, Thank you guys for listening. Uh, Thank you to Napa High Athletic Director Thomas Sims for coming on. He was ready to answer any question that I would have had uh, considering, you know, the dark cloud above, and I really appreciate that. Um, I wish him all the best, you know, leading the program going forward. Um, if anybody wants to read any of the reporting or look at any of the data and findings from the associated press study on student-on-student sexual assault, um, I'll put some links on the episode page at napa com slash napa-registered-radio. Um, it's some really ace reporting on a topic I feel like not enough people are paying attention to considering how pervasive it is in society and in athletics. And so um, it's something I feel like we should all just kind of be aware of and um, understand as we go forward, you know, these bigger picture perspectives always help us understand the smaller perspectives within our daily lives. And I think that's really important for us to grasp as we go forward. And, um, I can't honestly in good conscience play a funky outro today. So, um, I'm going to leave you with a somber one and, um, we'll see you soon.